match it today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F*** that. We don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on your Tuesday with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Who? With who? Uh, Derek Springer, Nick Johnson. It's all one. I kind of like Nick Johnson. I don't know how I don't know how to feel about Derek Springer though. I don't like Derek Springer. I don't really like it either. Yeah. The thing about the Springer last name is that it it truly just does not sound good with a lot of names. If we're being totally honest, mm-hmm. it's not a great compatible last name. Mm. You know, there are plenty of last names out there where you put any first name with it and it's probably still <laughs> fine. That's not the case. I think Nick works though. It does. No, that's yeah. what I'm saying. It does. But I'm saying I'll, there are many other names that would not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. think if you went by Nicholas, it would work. You don't think so? Nicholas Springer? That sounds uh, fine I to guess me. it rolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, but again, other names I don't think work as well. Okay. I've spent extensive time thinking about this because I know that whenever I decide to have a child, I'm going to have to think through how, what, what does it sound like? Mm-hmm. How does it sound? Does it flow? Is there flow to it? It's very important. Okay. These are the things that keep me up at night. Well, thank you for... Even though I, I, I've, I don't even... I need to focus on stage one, which is finding someone who wants to marry me. Yeah. That's problem number one. Uh, well, I mean, you don't have to. Well, that's true. I know. But, I mean, if I want to have children, I probably should. Just go adopt right now. That's true. Um, I could do that. Anyway, RCST is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. We uh, are going to talk plenty KU football today. We got Matt Tate of R1S1 Sports joining us at 340. Um, we are going to have some Lance Leipold audio and KU player audio in the 5 o'clock hour. Talk some Chiefs with the Chris Jones news. We also have an episode of Stupid Scale, so that'll be fun coming up later in the show. Uh, but right now, it's time for our KU Week 2 notebook from their game against Illinois. Let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Jalen Daniels officially returns. A lot of great plays by Jalen. What was your favorite Jalen Daniels play from Week 2 against Illinois? Dude, I think it's got to be the play where he's staying at his own goal line, and here comes one half of the law firm coming to... <laughs> Get him, bring him down. Yeah, and by then the he's way, just like, what? I only noticed Newton in that game, not the other part. Randolph, of the Randolph was making a lot of plays. He did. Okay, I well, only he, noticed Newton. He was making a lot of. Randolph was making a lot of tackles, but okay. not. He was just not like. I was say maybe we should shorten it to the firm or just the law, because <laughs> I only noticed one half of it. But anyway, <laughs> I. Well, anyways, one of them was coming after him. He's staying at his own goal line. He pirouettes out of that, runs around, and then chucks it downfield. It was a third down, I think, on the play also. Mm-hmm. And completes it for first down, and I think KU ends up scoring on that drive because they scored on basically every drive in the first yeah. half. <laughs> this is so. probably a good guess to be like, yeah, they scored. That, um, that's got to be mine, I think. It's certainly that's that's the coolest highlight of. You got the, the one Luke Grimm right before half, though. Yeah, that's that's, that's a pretty one good for one. Me. That's one for me uh, because think about how important that play was. Illinois had just scored their first touchdown of the game. It was twenty-one-seven, uh, and Kansas was getting the ball to start the second half still, yeah. but. It's 21-7, and it's like, oh, I feel like we've dominated this half, and, and we're only going to be up 14 at half. You know, it felt yeah. kind of weird. Yeah. And you get the ball, and, and I think that was the second play of the drive that you 
hit Luke Grimm on the deep ball where Jalen Daniels is rolling out to his right and unloads it deep. Luke Grimm makes a great catch, contested, but Jalen Daniels did a good job just getting it off and, and getting it down there. That play to me was was maybe the biggest play of the game. As much as that was the flashiest, your, your play, and it was a still very important play. It was third down and nine. Yeah. That play there really took the momentum. Illinois was like, okay, maybe we have a little bit of momentum. And yeah. that was basically like, nope. KU has all the momentum, and they're going to lead by a bunch, and then they end up getting a touchdown. They lead twenty-eight to seven and a half. Yeah, no, hundred. I think you hit it right on the head there because you're right. Illinois goes down, and that touchdown they got in the first half, they scored pretty easily. Like that was a pretty easy drive yeah. for them. They went down and pretty much scored right away. So it was like, okay, you're down twenty-one nothing. You're getting trounced, and then you go down and you get a quick touchdown right before half. There's like forty seconds left, and if you're Illinois, you're like, okay, you know, a bad first half, but we got a little bit of momentum back before the end of the first half. We got a touchdown on the board, feeling pretty good. And then here comes Mr. Jalen Daniels rolling out, pulling some BS, throws it downfield. They score a touchdown. It's 28-7, and you're like, oh, dude, crap. This sucks. And then, you know, KU comes out in the second half, and they keep the momentum going. There you go. W for KU. Because, right, I mean, it doesn't sound that much different, 21-7 versus 28-7, but mm-hmm. it was a huge difference. It was a it, it made the difference in the game, really. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would totally agree. I mean, it, it I don't know. I, I just think way, that was the biggest play. But For the second straight week, yeah. my score prediction was very close. What'd you have? 31-23 was my score prediction. Oh, yeah. Very close. Very close. Yeah. In week one, my score prediction was 52-17, or 52-20. It was 48-17. Week two, 34-23 final score. I predicted 31-23. So I'm, 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 I'm honing in. There I'm you locking go. in. Okay. Uh, by the way, any questions that we had, we talked about this a bit after week one. We we talked about what was going to be the running back usage because it was like, oh, is, is Devin Neal going to be a workhorse now? And Daniel Highshaw had the fumbling issue. Like, is are we going to see more of a split between Highshaw and McDuffie? Uh, turns out, no questions. It's back to what it was last year. It was like Daniel Highshaw and Devin Neal both getting kind of a split. Yes. Yeah. And they needed it because Devin Neal did go out of the game for a little bit in the second half with, I, I, think, he, I think he actually ended up going back to the locker room with something he was dealing with. Remember, so they yeah. ran the they ran the play where he uh, ran the jet sweep and he runs to the KU side of the field and gets tackled out of bounds. And then he wasn't seen again. He didn't come back on the field for like Well, and Lance Leipold, while. we'll share this audio at, at 5.05. He said that uh, he's he, him, Luke Grimm, and Jalen Daniels are, are dealing with some injuries, but he, he said Jalen was like the most progressed, basically. So, you know, it's probably going to be something. Devin, we've seen this the past two years. He's probably going to have to work through some stuff over the course of the season. Yeah. Yeah, and so if you have Daniel Hyshaw, who's able to stay healthy for the whole season, that completely changes everything with how you would approach that, right? Because then it's, okay, Devin Neal's kind of dinged up a little bit. Let's bring in Daniel Hyshaw. And guess what? The drop-off is basically nothing, mm-hmm. if even anything, right? I mean, the, the in terms of the skill, I mean, they, they're obviously they're two different running backs that bring different skill sets to the table, but in terms of how effective your running back game can be, there's not a big drop-off when you bring in Daniel Hyshaw versus Devin Neal. So that's that's great to have. That's a great guy to have. And he he came in in the second half when Devin Neal was, was not out there, and he, he carried the load for KU in the running game. So uh, that was very, very impressive to see. And, and, yeah, I think you're right. I think the questions we did have about, well, you know, maybe if Devin Neal is fully healthy, maybe it's just the Devin Neal show. Well, when you've got running backs like Daniel Hyshaw and even to a certain extent a guy like Dylan McDuffie that can come in and, and spell and, and play really, really well, I mean, Andy Kolnicki has said it a hundred times at this point. We're going to get the best 11 guys on the field. And if Daniel Hyshaw is one of those guys, he's going to be out there, period. That's just yeah. how it's going to work. 
So that was really, really nice to see that that KU did flex that depth a little bit with with Daniel Highshaw coming in and, and running the ball really, really well. And I think certainly he has shown what his capability can be. Now it's just a matter of you know of avoiding fumbling first of all, continuing continuing to take care of the ball and have some ball security, and then two maintaining health. We'll see how that how that carries over, but I I definitely was very impressed with Daniel Highshaw. He looked back to the uh, explosive guy that we remember from from yeah. last year against yeah. Illinois. So I, I guess it is back to those guys kind of being at the top, and uh, yeah, no no more questions about the uh, kind of running back usage uh, between those. By the way, I I don't know. What do you think about this? My uh, idea of calling the KU backfield rock paper scissors. Okay. We always hear the the turn like thunder and lightning that gets overused. Thunder and lightning with the does get overused, but yes. it's a good with like one big power back. One thing about back. it though is there can be things that are overused and they're bad. Thunder and lightning it's That's overused, fair. but it's like it's still good. I'm right? just saying, can we come up with other ideas? And I like this one: rock paper scissors. Daniel Highshaw's the rock. He's powerful. He's strong, okay. like a rock. Fine, sure. Um, Devin Neal is the scissors. He's so good at cutting. Okay, right. One cut, and sure, then the yeah. paper can be just. You can pick like Tory Lachlan, Dylan McDuffie, somebody who's dependable. You need paper all the time. Paper goes with a lot of things. Like, is paper really dependable though? You crumple it up. But you can do a lot of stuff with paper. You can build a paper airplane. You can crumple it up and throw it as a ball. You can write on it. It's versatile. A lot of different stuff you can do. But with it's it. like, and but it's kind of flimsy. No, too, but sometimes though. it's like your phone isn't working. You're trying to take notes on your phone or your computer. Maybe it doesn't work. You know what's always trusty and reliable? Pen and paper. <laughs> Rock paper scissors. Uh, I don't know. We, we, might, need, we might need to workshop that one I like a little it. bit. <laughs> I don't hate it, but I feel like there could be some mm-hmm. fine tuning for sure. Well, I mean, speaking of Tory Lachlan, that uh, he was very involved on the first drive, had yes. the target in the end zone, and then ended up having the touchdown like a play or two later. Yeah, yeah. It's clear that he is going to be. It's clear that he has a defined role within yeah. the offense of being sort of that 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 guy that just kind of do it all. You know, Swiss Army knife type where. He lines up in the backfield. You can throw it to him. You know, you can do a lot of different stuff with him. And and he seemed to me, I think Tory Lachlan is the guy that if I were a defensive coordinator, he's the guy that I'm circling as we need to pay attention to this guy because he's the type of player that I think Andy Kolnicki will try to use as somebody who is going to be the recipient of trick plays. You know, we, we saw a little bit last year, actually. If you remember, if you flash all the way back to the Houston game last year, that's what they did. They ran a trick play, too, and he was wide open uh, in that game against Houston. So that's the guy that I would be keeping an eye on because – I think I think Tory Lachlan and Jared Casey kind of both fit into that same mold of of guys that Andy Kolnicki likes to design the fun trick plays looking for those types of players because they're guys that can easily blend in with the rest of the team. They're guys that can easily you can easily forget about them, right? Jared Casey is a blocking tight end. Tory Lachlan is the fourth running back who just, you know, comes in occasionally. But those are the guys that I think unlock that extra level of creativity that Andy Kolnicki has for creating trick plays for those guys. And so, and even still, Tory Lachlan obviously got the touchdown as well, like you mentioned. So he's a guy that I think definitely has a clearly defined role within the offense that I would expect to continue. Yes, and I, I found it very interesting today. Andy Kotelnicki was talking about their usage of players that they they kind of model it to like a pro game in that way that they're going to use players in specific situations and formations that best emphasize their skill. And I think... He uh, kind of fits that to a T. Uh, one thing I've been noticing early this season, this is something they did really well last year too, but I've noticed it a lot this year. K receivers are blocking so hard down the field right now, and that is such an important part of this running game and getting to the outside. Uh, I've, I've loved the different formations that they've thrown out. Uh, they had one spread formation where they had three tight ends in among the four receivers. They had that one uh, formation where they had 
uh, like all the guys to the left, and then a couple guys in the middle, and they sent Devin Neal in motion. Yep. The, uh, the smoke yeah. break. Yeah, smoke break is what Andy Kotelnicki called it. Everything about the offense is great. There's only one negative I have so far, and it's something we said all the time last year. <laughs> Stop fumbling. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Hang on to the ball. Yeah. There, was the, there was the Devin Neal fumble the first drive of the game. Fortunately, yep. your first drive of the game. You, you got it back, and then yep. Lawrence Arnold has the fumble there, too. Yep. Uh, they had Daniel Hyshaw fumble in week one. Last year, they had all sorts of fumbles. Stop yeah, I don't, fumbling the football. I don't know if I'm really ready to call this a negative, but I think in the second half, it was pretty clear that there was a little bit more screwing around because KU got up pretty big, 34-7, and maybe they weren't as locked in with their execution you know, you had the the fumble, the interception. You got turned over on downs. Like there was some more. Mis- I mean, I I think KU if they stay locked in for the whole game like they did in the first half, they could easily have put up fifty points. So it felt like there was a little bit of I don't know if foot off the gas is the right term because they still moved the ball kind of at will in the second half if you look at the numbers. Mm-hmm. But they just it wasn't you know they weren't getting touchdowns. They were having turnovers you know in in Illinois territory. So. Again, I don't really know if I want to call that like a negative or just, I, I don't know, maybe just kind of bookmark that one to see if it comes to fruition more where if KU does get off to a hot start but then they really slow down in the second half or they're not, they don't, they're not quite as sharp in the second half of games, just bookmark that one for now. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I because of it last year, I, I have more than a bookmark. I might have two bookmarks there. Anyway, uh, on to the defensive side of the ball. How about the pass rush, man? Six sacks in the game. Yeah. They were all over Illinois. Yeah, great showing from the the, uh, the defense there with the pass rush. And we kind of touched on it yesterday, but I think maybe it turns out that no Lonnie Phelps is not going to be as big of a, a hit as you thought it might be. You know, KU, Lonnie Phelps declares, and what happened? KU goes out very aggressively in the transfer portal to try to sure up that position, and it feels like they have a couple guys that are going to be very productive. Austin Booker and Patrick Joyner look like real dudes. We've talked quite a bit about Devin Phillips as maybe not necessarily a pass rusher, but as a guy in the middle that can really be an anchor for your D line. And then you have Jeremy Robinson as well. And, you know, and they're having not, not even to mention Gage Keys, another guy that's transferred. So it feels like no Lonnie Phelps is going to be not as much of an impact as we maybe thought it was going back to, I mean, think about it. I mean, the day after Lonnie Phelps declared back in April or whatever, or, you know, March, there was probably some real panic and turns out, it's going to be all right, I think. I mean, and, and that's something that I've talked about with Lance Leipold that's always been very impressive to me is I think Lance Leipold time and time again has shown that when he sees a weakness or a weak link in his team, he is very, very aggressive about looking for answers to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lonnie Phelps situation is a great example. You bring in multiple defensive end transfers, even like you know <clears throat> uh, Dylan Brooks as well as a guy that has flashed. You bring in multiple defensive end transfers after Lonnie Phelps leaves. Your your special teams and your kicking game struggled last year. You bring in a kicking transfer and you bring in a special teams coordinator that has been a career special teams basically analyst in Sean Snyder, right? So every time KU has had an issue that has you know has come up as a weakness, Lance Leipold has been very very aggressive about going out and looking for answers and looking for solutions to that, and it's it's paying off, right? I mean your special teams look like they're a lot better. Seth Keller two more field goals in the game against Illinois, and then on the D-line, yeah, you lose Lonnie Phelps, who was kind of an X-Factor type guy, but again, you bring in an Austin Booker, you bring in a Dylan Brooks, you bring in Patrick Joyner. I mean, those guys collectively might end up being just as good, if not better, than what you had from Lonnie Phelps production-wise, which is very impressive. That's not even to mention J.B. Brown. 
I mean, J.B. Brown, we heard going into this season about some sort of some coy comments about getting the linebackers involved with the pass rush. And I think we both jumped onto, well, Craig Young. Craig Young mm-hmm. will be the guy. Wrong answer. J.B. Brown, this dude's a missile. Send him after the quarterback. He's insane. I mean, that's basically exactly what Brian Borland said, and I think he was really, really pleased. I mean, I don't know that I've seen – I mean, listen, Brian Borland, it's 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 tough because Kotelnicki is a very expressive individual. He's very expressive. He's very uh, energetic and whatnot. Like, it's easy to see when he's talking about his team and his players that he's passionate. With Borland, he's a bit more reserved, right? So you don't always see it as much. I don't know that I've ever seen him as – expressive or energetic than he was the earlier today, which we'll get to that audio at some point, probably tomorrow on tomorrow's show, talking about J.B. Brown when you asked about him. I mean, that's maybe the most energetic and excited I've seen Brian Borland talking about a player. I mean, that that should tell you something about what they think about J.B. Brown and about what he how he can be used. Yeah. No, I've, I've been very excited watching him. I, I think uh, a lot of it is kind of living up to the hype for me of, of some of the expectations I had. And this week, now on the depth chart, he is listed as an or with Taiwan Berryhill, but his name is on top of the other one. So that kind of tells you that he has worked his way in front. Part of that is, is Berryhill injury related, but he's been very versatile out there. Now, one thing that, that I did kind of notice that'll be something to monitor as the season goes on. Defense is doing a lot better when they're not having to defend tempo. Um. There was the drive at the end of the first half Illinois had. Uh, second half, Illinois' running tempo and, and getting a little bit more success. That could be a little worrisome because there will be teams like Oklahoma and Texas Tech that you're going to play that play at a higher tempo. And that was an issue for them last season. So if you're going to have trouble with team now, now it could just be it was the first game of the year defending against tempo. And I don't know, it could just be coincidence that Illinois had a few good drives that happened to be when they did tempo and maybe they would have had them whether they did or didn't yeah. I don't know but that'll be something I'm kind of monitoring moving forward um, I think you just chalk up now and say that Kansas is going to give up one long QB run every game dude that's just that's so dumb where was the defense how many guys were on the field eight guys out there what's going on what, what was that about and it's not like Luke Altmaier is a track star no. I mean nobody could run him down I mean yeah that was a that was a weird one you know, and you obviously want to try to limit those, limit those explosive plays. But on the flip side, you take that play out. KU's run defense was phenomenal. KU didn't really give up very many big plays at all beyond that one. Mm-hmm. And if you take that play out, obviously it's it's one less touchdown you've given up. And instead of it being thirty four twenty three, it's thirty four sixteen, and you you feel a lot better. So you want to try to limit those. You know, you really don't want to have one more than one play a game where you have a where something breaks down like that, and obviously you don't want to give up a touchdown on it. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not that concerned. And when you look at KU's schedule, how many more really running quarterbacks are they going to play? Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that seriously. Tyler Shock. I mean, John Reese Prumley might not even be playing when yeah, when KU not. plays UCF. Um, Tyler Shuck will be a problem, but right. Tyler Shuck. Dude, that dude has no regard for his own life. Were you watching the Oregon game? Yeah, he just he just runs. Yeah, he and might just, be banged up. It just he's had injuries just in straight into people. Too. Yeah, that so could who happen. knows about that one? Dylan Gabriel not really a runner. Quinn no. Ewers not really a runner. Uh, I don't even know. I don't even know BYU's quarterback to be honest. Uh, Keaton Slovis not really a runner. Oh, oh I forgot that Keaton Slovis. I mean, his last right. name is Slow. This right. <laughs> so he's got to be can't slow. be fast. Yeah. <laughs> so you go down the list and you Jones, start saying, yeah, yeah. You get on the list and you start saying to yourself, well, KU's not going to be facing a lot of real, true, dual-threat quarterbacks. Yeah, so maybe that 
maybe that's something that ends up not being as big of an issue because they won't have to necessarily worry about it as much. And then uh, special teams, the only note I have here is Seth Keller's been good so far. Um, yeah. Seth four Keller four on field goals, perfect on PAT. Four so for four. Yeah. Go to Wendy's. Well, okay, think about this. If if he misses one of the two field goals, which last year, if you have Jacob Borchilla, he's probably missing one of the two field goals. I mean, if you look at his stats, what was he, 7 of 13? Yeah, it was basically it's around 50%. Eight of, 8 of 13? Something like, I, so, I thought it was 7 of 13. 7 of 13? I know they missed 6. Yeah, I think okay. 7 of 13 sounds okay. right. So yeah. then, yeah, your odds are he probably would have not made, made one, one of those. two. Yes. Kansas would have only been up 8, and Illinois would have had the ball with 3 minutes left. Bad. Imagine how different, I mean, Quentin Lasseter ends up getting the pick, and it didn't matter, but... And maybe there was still, maybe you were still like, oh man, are they are they about to let them back into this thing? You know how different you would have felt about that drive if you would have been up only eight as opposed to eleven. Oh yeah, I would. And that would have been the been case if you had last year's kicking. I would have been sweating bullets. Yes, for sure. And it would have been yes. like, how did we let them back? Well, into and the this other game? thing is, we gotta we gotta send a memo to the students that you you can't just leave. <laughs> yeah, that too. you can't just go to the wheel. Yeah, I guess that's the miscellaneous notice part of this. Um, <laughs> students were fantastic. Until the third it's quarter. It's funny because the the regular the the non student fans showed up late for some of them because yes. it was hard getting in six thirty game people some yeah. get off at five the or non student there's fans all the traffic and Lord right I was I was not as impressed with the non student fans yeah, yeah but it's just I I understand why it no I get a lot it. of them time no, to I get here and some of them just can't go to games on Fridays no I get it but then it was the opposite for the students they showed up early they showed yes. out and then they left early yes so they, like, all, they all went to get opposite. some wheel pizza yeah. I guess. Maybe we could combine the two. Then you'd really be cooking with gas. All right, we're going to take a time out here, uh, talk about the Monday Night Football game last night. We got Matt Tate joining the show in about 15 minutes with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, depending on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Joined now by Matt Tate of R1S1Sports.com. And uh, Matt, KU takes down Illinois on Friday, 34-23, the final score in that one. A lot of positives you could come away with from the KU side of things. I thought it was, uh, for my money, the, the best half of football we've seen from a Lance Leipold coach team, and we've seen some other good halves of football. But uh, for you, what was your biggest takeaway from that win uh, this past Friday night? Yeah, I, I you know, I think, like Lance said um, this week, I, I think, when he watched the film again of the game, he, he just noticed how physical they were and how hard they played. And I think that's probably one of the things that jumped out to me. But I, I think the other thing that kind of goes along with that is when you play that way and, and, and you execute and perform and, and you have that confidence that, you know, they clearly did, they clearly thought they were better than those guys and went out and, and showed that, um, it just looks really easy, you know, um, and, and I know looks can be deceiving and I'm not trying to say that those guys aren't working their butts off to get every inch they get or anything like that, but it just looked really easy. Uh, I, I really expected that to be a, a much more, you know, down to the wire fight for every minute, every yard, every ounce, everything like that type of game. And, uh, you know, we didn't see that. Uh, I, I think KU dominated and KU controlled everything and, I'm not at all worried about the second half. I don't think that matters. Uh, there's there's some human nature that came into play there where I think when you get up 34-7, to 7, it is what it is there. The game's over, and you know it, and they know it, and you know they're going to keep fighting to, to, to show something, um, but you're going to just kind of coast. And I'm sure every coach in the world would love that not to be the case. 
but it's uh, human nature and, and the reality of the situation more times than not. So I think you just throw that away and you don't even worry about it. But the fact that offensively, defensively, everything they got just looked easy. Um, that's new. You know, that, that's even last year. It didn't really always look easy. Um, but this offense is so dangerous and so potent and so talented. And, and it just seemed like Jalen's, got a, a video game controller back there and he just kind of gets to watch and, and he hits the right button and plays a completion and they march down the field or, or it's a touchdown or whatever it is. But it, again, it just looks really easy. And, and I think that's a credit to their preparation and their, their organization and, and, you know, their, their drive and determination and all those things. But, you know, it, it really is impressive to watch. Yeah, it really is. And, and we saw the return of Jalen Daniels. Um, you know, I, I've talked a lot about that if, if Jalen Daniels just didn't exist, like Jason Bean would be thought of as probably the best quarterback the KU's had since Todd Reesing. But, you know, because they have Jalen Daniels, it's it's funny because you see Jason Bean play well and you see the stats look well, but you're still like, oh, but Jalen Daniels, there's another level there. And I think you see why on uh, Friday night, I think, Nothing more indicative of that than, than maybe that play where it's like third down, he gets chased into his own end zone, he avoids the sack, throws downfield. I think it was Lawrence Arnold who made the catch uh, 20 yards or so downfield. Uh, when you look at, at Jalen Daniels and, and what he does bring to this offense, what he does bring to this team, if you were to guarantee that he is healthy the rest of the way for KU, which that does seem like a big if on the guarantee there, what at this point in time do you think the ceiling for wins that this team could get to would be? Oh man, I, you know, <clears throat> I don't think it's crazy to start talking about ten wins. I, I really don't, um, especially if he's healthy. I, I think they they have enough depth, they have enough talent, they have enough confidence that really at all positions they they can kind of. I mean, like look look at this week for example, right? Um, Austin Booker and and Kobe Bryant aren't going to play that first half. Uh, because of their targeting penalties from last week. And and you don't get the sense that anyone's even the least bit worried about it. There there are people who aren't happy about it. Like, they obviously appealed those those targeting calls and they were denied and all that. But, like, they don't seem like, oh, no, what are we going to do? And those have been two of their better defensive players so far this season. In the past, when you would have told Kansas that they were going to be without two of their better defensive players for the, for a half, um, it, it would have been a real problem. There would have been panic. There would have been, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? You know, and these guys aren't even worried about it. I mean, they want them back. They want them out there, of course, but they, they're not, it's not as if they don't have answers. It's not as if their depth isn't as such that they can just roll the next guys out there. I mean, one of the guys who's going to get a start this week because Kobe's out for that first half is, is Quentin Lasseter, who leads the team in interceptions, you know, and, and, it's just it's just a different vibe right now, and so I think when you when you consider that that's the makeup of your roster on both sides of the ball, and and your special teams at least to this point seem to be very solid. Um, when you have a quarterback who's who's the guy, you know he is he is Jalen Daniels is the Deion Sanders of players right now. I mean he is he to what Deion is to coaching right now. Jalen is to to playing and. He's just a guy that, that brings so much to the table and so much confidence, and his teammates feel that and feed off of that, and their confidence goes up because of it. And, um, you know, it's, it's the most important position in sports, and, and 
when you have that guy out there, there's, you, you have a chance to win every game. So I, I think, you know, 10, 11 wins is not crazy to start talking about. Um, doesn't mean they'll get there, but there are a lot, of, a lot of teams on this schedule that they seem like all of a sudden, especially if you watch what's happened the first couple of weeks, you know, the, these guys should not be afraid to line up and play with a lot of them. It's not all of them. Um, you know, Oklahoma will be tough. You know, Texas will be tough. But I, I don't think these guys are in any way believing that they can't compete with those guys. Um, so, you know, we got to see it. And, and those will be really interesting games. And they're relatively early on. Um, one of them coming at the end of this month. So it, it's exciting to think about that. But the rest, you know, when you look at uh, the rest of the Big 12 and, and how everybody's done so far, um, yeah, Kansas can beat any of them. And, and so, um, you know, 8-4 and four was my prediction before the season started, and, and I still think that's really solid. I think what, what happens there is you give them some room for, for breathing, right? You, you, there's a little margin for the air. That things aren't going to go perfect every week. Things aren't going to be easy every week. But, you know, right now, after this 2-0 and start and the way they looked last week, Four seems a little high. Four seems a little high to me. So I, I, I don't, you know, I wouldn't necessarily change my prediction, but I don't think you're crazy if you start talking about 10 wins. And you can get to 10 wins with this roster and in this conference. Who knows what that could mean, man? That, that could be really, really big. Yeah, absolutely could. And, and I think the uh, some of the Big 12 showings from a negative standpoint, even though KU doesn't play all of them with, you know, Baylor and TCU and some of these teams, maybe that gives you a little more confidence, even though uh, Texas looks to be uh, pretty stellar after the win in Alabama. Uh, you, you brought up Quentin Lasseter there, team leader in interceptions, and uh, you just wrote a piece with R1S1Sports.com about Quentin Lasseter and that kind of family, and it got me thinking – would that be the first family of KU football? Yeah, I don't know if you've ever heard that term before, but like, I when I think back, if you're talking about family as a whole, Kwame Lasseter, right. the the father, the safety, was an unbelievable player for KU in the the early '90s. Obviously, uh, his son Kwame Lasseter was team's leading receiver a couple of years ago. Now, uh, the the younger brother doing well this year with those couple of interceptions. Do you think that is the uh, I don't know greatest family in KU football history? Yeah, man, that's a really good question. Um, I, I hadn't really. It's hard to of think it. of the um, other ones, I guess. It is. It is. Uh, you know, one that came to mind was Tony Sands and, and his son Deshaun played here, but Deshaun wasn't wasn't much of a player here and didn't end up lasting. Um, but Tony's a legend, and and uh, you know, there's that legacy factor there. Um, Gosh, that yeah, that's that's really that really is hard to to think of another one. Um, you probably start to think about coaches as much as anything too. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't see why not. Look, I, I was I'm working on something on Luke Graham. Um, last week in the game, he got his hundredth career reception, which puts him 16th on uh, on the all time list, and and he's got plenty of time not only this year, but if he came back and, and played another year next year, um, he would have a lot of time. To, to move up that list. And I think he only needs to move up like he only needs like 40 or 48 or 49 more catches to move into fifth place all time. I mean, that's, that's big time stuff. And the reason I bring that up is because the one sitting, I believe in fifth place with 148 receptions is none other than Kwame Lasseter, the second. So, you know, it's not like they call him KJ. It's not like KJ was, was, just this nice, you know, decent player, and his dad was a big deal. You know, his dad was a big deal, and his dad played in the NFL for a long time. But KJ is the fifth leading receiver in KU history when it when it comes to 
total number of receptions in a career. I mean, like that's, that's pretty good. That certainly backs up your claim there that, that they're the first family. And, and, and now, you know, this is Quentin's last year, but if he can continue to, to play like this and, and do what he does and, you know, he doesn't have to have an interception every game like the pace he's on right now, but if he's a factor and, and makes plays out there and they have a winning season and get to another bowl game, I mean, he'll have been a part of that. And, and then that will be part of his, his um, contribution to that family legacy. So, yeah, I think so, man. I, I look, I think you could, I think you could print t-shirts and uh, as long as you cut the family in, you can make a nice profit on that because I think you, I don't see anybody that would be able to dispute what you're saying there. I mean, that's, that's super interesting. I had never thought of that. All right. Here's a fun one to work through. Uh, more conference wins. Who do you think ends up uh, higher on this ladder? KU football plus KU women's basketball or KU men's basketball on their own? Wow, that is a fun one to work through, and I am going to have to work through it, uh, <laughs> so bear with me. Um, let's see. We are talking – are there still 18 conference games in, in yes, basketball? for now. Right, for now, until we know what the heck's going to happen in the future with – 4,000 teams in every conference. Um, so 18. Um, I think the Big 12 men's race will be good again. I don't know if it'll be quite as good as last year. So I think you could look at 15, 14 or 15 very, very, very easily. Uh, not that it'll be easy, but I think that's a good number for the KU men to aspire to. So let's call it 14 and 4. And that means the women, if they went 500, which would be nine and nine, then the football team would need five conference wins to match that. I think the women's team is going to do better than nine and nine. Uh, I think they're a ranked team all season. I think they have some serious talent and, and they have a break breakthrough year coming. Um, so I'm going to call them 12 and six. So now all you need to do is get three conference wins from the football team. I will take the football team and the women's basketball team by a by a nose. Okay, it's a good one though. It's close. Do you, Do you think that would have been the same answer for you before the season started, or how much does how good they looked against Illinois play into that? Huge. Yeah, I don't I don't know that it would have been the same answer. I, I think I'm I may have gone with the men's team. I I don't know though. I mean, when you're talking about twelve of those coming. Um, coming from from the women's hoops um, projections, at least or my projection, anyway, you know, that doesn't change too much. Probably cause that's a big number in and of itself. But but you know, getting back to what you were talking about earlier, um, you know, two of the two of the losses that I have uh, in my eight and four prediction, I think for 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 the football team. It may have already flipped, man. I mean, I had them losing at home to Texas Tech and then on the road at Oklahoma State. And I think Oklahoma State has looked very, very average um, so far. And and Texas Tech lost both games, although they've played pretty good competition and, and both games have been close. Um, it, it, I, I think based on the way these first couple of weeks have gone, I, I don't know that that's a loss for Kansas at home anymore. So, so right there, um, that's two two more wins that I didn't see them having. And then that, that takes it from 10 and two and, or from eight and four to 10 and two. And then those are both conference games and all that. So yeah, it, it may, it may not have changed much, but it, it, it certainly makes it easier to answer with, with some conviction. Um, I, I think they, they look like a really good football team. I think, what are they getting 19 votes, putting them 29th in the country right now? I mean, 
they look like a, a top 20 type of team right now. And, um, you know, we got to see. We, we, we Talk to me in two months, and, and maybe Illinois is, you know, two and nine then or something like that, and, and maybe we'll know more. And, hey, maybe this win wasn't quite as good as it looked. But I think it is good right now, and I think it's not only good because it was a Big Ten opponent, but it's also good because of the way it came. They, they kicked their butts. And um, when that happens, if that keeps happening, the, the confidence goes up. And when you have confidence on a team that has talent, uh, anything's possible. So yeah, I, I think I think it probably wouldn't have changed. I think I probably would have gone gone that same answer as long as you allowed me the time to work through it, which is always what you're good for. So I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, Matt, I appreciate the time as always, man. Uh, anything you got coming up on uh, R1S1Sports.com? Well, uh, like I said, I'm doing something on Luke Grimm. I- I'm going to start diving into the volleyball stuff pretty hardcore. Um, I'm heading out there tonight to watch him play and, and get a few other ideas. We- we've already put up a couple of really cool volleyball stories. Um, and we've got some freelancers that are that are helping out with all kinds of soccer and, and um, cross country. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people that are contributing to this site now, and we're, we're, we're really trying to – to represent all KU programs, not just the big ones, um, and, and tell the stories of, of student athletes throughout the, the campus. And, and so that's really fun. And, and uh, I would say, you know, it, it, we'll, we'll keep talking about this in the next couple of weeks, but um, I, I would say that there is, there is a freelancer, I think, who's going to start helping us out fairly soon that will be a, a pretty notable name that people might remember and might get kind of excited about reading again. So, um Keep that in mind. I'll, I'll keep it as sort of a, a teaser right now just to make sure it happens. But uh, I'm hoping that, that, you know, we get a lot of contributors to this site that will be uh, more than just my voice and my thoughts and my words because it, it definitely helps round it out. And, and like I said, I think one of the coolest things is that we're out there um, trying to write about all these, all these programs and all these athletes, and, and we're, doing a, we're, we're doing a fairly good job so far and, and big plans for – for uh, for more as we move forward, it's been a lot of fun though. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to uh, all of that upcoming again. R1S1Sports.com. Matt, I appreciate the time as always, man. Have a great rest of your week, and uh, we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Sounds great, Derek. Thanks, man. You have a good week as well. We'll talk to you. That was Matt Tate, R1S1Sports.com, joining us today here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thank you to Matt for hopping on the show. We have one hour down, two to go. We got a stupid scale coming up. Big 12 breakdown, some Chiefs talk. We also have uh, Lance Leipold audio to get to and some DJ Withers audio to get to coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We uh, are going to get to some Lance Leipold audio coming up later in the show. We also are going to get to some player audio later in the show. We've got our Big 12 breakdown coming up. Before we do any of that, time for another edition of Stupid Scale. We haven't done this in a few weeks where we uh Yeah, are we something. stupid for not doing it? Yeah, I think so. Very. Okay, no, we've just been busy. We've had we haven't been busy. There's on. been a lot going on, you know. K football, obviously. Well, we have a little bit of time here, so uh, time for the stupid scale, where we rate things on one to stupid based how stupid they or the person is. Uh, so Chris <laughs> Jones, we're going to talk more about this later in the hour, but signed a one-year deal 
worth up to $25 million. The base salary remains the same. It's just a restructure this year to get him on the field. The chance to make up the fines are there with his incentive packages. He's going to be free agent at the end of the season. Kansas City can also still tag him. Uh, Chris Jones' agents seem to have misplayed this all the way through. Yeah. What would Chris Jones' agents be getting on the stupid scale? Dude, this whole thing is getting like a $9 billion on the stupid scale. I mean, dude, what, like, I just... I, I don't even know what, where to begin with this stuff. I mean, they got exactly what he had, but now he still lost a bunch of money that he maybe will have a chance to earn back to make up for that through different incentives. And it's like... What, are, what what were we doing for the past three months? Or, you know, how even longer? What were we doing? I mean, it doesn't seem like there was any negotiating happening. Or if there was, it wasn't doing a very good job. So, I, I, dude, I don't know. I mean, I, if you're Chris Jones, I don't know how you don't. I mean, can he not fire these guys and get somebody else? I don't know how well, that works. That the, that's the problem with having two agents where they're brothers. If he fires one, he can't fire the other. Why not? There's a joke. Um... No, I didn't get the joke. Yeah. Well, anyway. If they're brothers, it should be easier to fire I both of them because you say you're both clowns. <laughs> I think fired. this is, I don't know, it man. It just goes like, to show that teams still have a lot of power. It's not all the way to stupid for me, though, because it's like, like, I understand you're trying to get a better contract for your client and everything, but it's just how it's been mishandled from a standpoint of, telling him to continue to hold out and miss games and forfeit game checks and doing all this stuff that uh, it's it's pretty stupid all the way through. I don't yes. know. I'll give this like a seven and a half. And, uh, and to me, I think this makes it very, very clear that Chris Jones will more than likely not be a chief after this year. I agree. My guess is they would tag him and then trade him. Correct. But I would also not be surprised if they did the thing that they did with Orlando Brown. They tag him and then... What if the trades aren't there? What if the contract yeah, negotiation is like, not there? Tag, just let him I mean, walk. if you tag and trade him, pull it. Yeah. If you tag and trade him, there has to be somebody willing to pay him the tag or right. willing to pay him. You know. So it kind of hinges on how well he plays this season. Yes. Because be maybe if he doesn't play as well, maybe if you're the Chiefs, you can bring him back on a deal that's better, that's cheaper. Yeah, that's the risk. That then that would be even more stupid for Chris Jones. It would. It would. Uh, what did you rate this? Stupid. Nine billion. Oh, okay. Stupid. Okay. The stupidest thing you could possibly do. Okay. Well, yeah, you know who did give their player a contract? The New York Giants gave Daniel Jones a four year, $160 million extension. That was this past offseason as he was a free agent. Um, he, against the Cowboys, had 104 yards and two interceptions. So, uh, yeah, really bad. Giants paying. Daniel Jones, all that money. Where would that rank on the stupid scale? Yeah, I mean... I don't even think this is just hindsight 2020. Like, everybody was like, really? You're going to give him that much money? No, you're right. At even time. at the time, it was like, are you sure? Yeah. Like, are you sure about that? Right. And, uh, yeah, it's it's obviously not looking good right now for the Giants that they did do that because Daniel Jones, at best, is what? Uh, at his absolute best, he is what? A fringe top 10 quarterback in the league? No, at no best? way. Not even close. At best? At his best. Number 15. That's close to fringe top 10. Okay, I, like. I guess. All right. right? You don't think so? I don't know. I, I, fringe at his absolute to me is like best. the closest as it can be. So it'd be like top 11, basically. But yeah, okay, whatever. That's splitting. No, 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 no. Fringe is like. No, 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 no. Okay. So if that's his absolute best, like that is literally the sunshine and rainbow is best case scenario. And that's his best, and you're giving him that much, that ain't great. No. So uh, that's bad. <laughs> and listen, he's 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 
He's the third best quarterback in his division right now, and that's because the Commanders have suck and more suck. Okay. So it's not looking very great for him. The Giants, I think at the time this was pretty stupid, and now it's looking like it's even more stupid. I'll go with like an eight. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I will give the Giants some grace here and say that there is still a chance that maybe it turns around. But so you're still kind of believing. I'm not believing, but I'm saying okay. I I think it's not the the final nail is not in the coffin yet on this. That's why I'm saying eight. Because what? Because I mean, maybe he does turn it around, and maybe the Giants do end up being a playoff team again. But are they going to be more than that? Probably not. I don't know. That's the thing. Even if they're a playoff team, it's like, are they really a contender? No. Like nobody in the right. I mean, they just lost forty to nothing to the the Cowboys. Like that doesn't happen. <laughs> I mean, the Vikings lost 40-3 to the Cowboys last year. Yeah, they weren't a contender either. They were a team who had a good season, but nobody (laughs) was ever taking seriously to win the Super Bowl or to win the NFC. Okay, fine, sure. Yeah, I don't know. I'll I'll go go eight. I guess, uh, to me, if I I gave the Chris Jones, his agents, a seven and a half, do I go higher or lower on this? Um... I think the Chris Jones one is more stupid than this. So I'll go I'll go a seven on this. I thought at the time it was like a six and a half. I'll bump it up to a seven after the first week of performances. I just uh, looking back process wise, it would have made more sense to me if the Giants were like, hey, we're gonna give Saquon Barkley a four year fifty-two million dollar deal, or I don't know, whatever it would be, and we're gonna franchise tag Daniel Jones and only be under contract for one year with him. Yeah, but again, you, I mean, listen, I don't envy GMs that are in a position like this where you have a quarterback that's like, you drafted really high yes, and like he's kind of bad, but like not bad enough to where you could justify, you know, doing something else because then you get second situation where you can't, I mean, you, you can, I guess, just keep franchise tagging, but it's like, you're just, it's, you're just continuing to punt. Well, no, every time eventually you, do you extend him, but I would like to see more than just one year of him being decent. But, that, but that's the thing. It's like how many? You the, like I just I don't know. You're, you're, that's always a dangerous game. I think. I don't know. I think it would have been the smart thing here. And uh, now I I don't know. I feel I feel like, like I, said, I don't I don't envy GMs them. that are in this position where you have a quarterback that is clearly not elite, but he's like not that bad, but not good enough to really probably make a Super Bowl, but not bad enough that you can justify tanking. All right. Uh, stupid scale for this. Fox Sports is in negotiations with several power conferences to hold a postseason basketball tournament in Las Vegas for teams that did not make the NCAA tournament. And as part of it, here's an interesting part. Under terms of the proposed arrangement, this is from Seth Davis, by the way, uh, the top 16 teams in the Big 12, Big East, and Big 10 that did not qualify for the NCAA tournament as ranked by net would be required to play in the Fox event even if they're invited to the NIT uh, because those three leagues have rights deals with Fox. The network also has a rights agreement with the Pac-12, but it's unclear whether that league would have been would be added due to complications arising from the uh, impending realignment stuff. Yeah, this is really stupid. Nobody wants to watch crap teams play in a stupid, pointless tournament, okay? It's dumb, all right? Just have the NCAA tournament, and then you can have your one tournament, the NIT, whatever, but... Well, I mean, what are, we, what are we doing here? If you suck, that doesn't mean you deserve to play more. Yeah, we don't need more basketball postseason. Exactly. It's stupid. Like, I do not want to watch Oklahoma State play, I don't know, Northwestern or whatever. 13 and 15, 13 and 17, North Oklahoma State play 14 and 18, 
Northwestern. Yeah, I, I, I don't I care. I don't either. I literally do not like. I'd rather jab my eyes out. I don't want to watch that. Okay, it's stupid. I watch a spring training baseball game before I watch that. I mean, that's just—it's just ridiculous. And the game will be like forty-five to forty. You know why? Because both teams suck. Okay, I don't want to watch sucky teams play each other in a pointless tournament. This is dumb. What I mean, like, I—I don't even know what else to say. I mean, does that not paint a clear picture? Well, ideally, Kansas will never be involved in this because you just you just make the NCAA tournament. You don't have to wor- worry about that. One thing I am curious about, because this happened last year with North Carolina, right, was um, they declined playing in the NIT. The way this is worded, are you not able to decline? You have I, to, like, I, show up? I don't up. know. I guess, yeah, I guess maybe you just the, get, like, fined the or conferences, something? yeah, like, mandate that you have to go if you if you get invited, which is stupid because, again, I, I, I don't really like where this is going because all it's doing is you're just giving more and more and more power to the TV networks. Like, I don't think that's how it should be. The yeah, I mean, TV networks should about, not like, have the power to dictate literally right. everything that goes on. Yeah, all the talk of, like, we need a commissioner in college sports, I feel like it's eventually just the TV network is going to be basically the commissioner. Yes, ESPN, Fox, they, you know, CBS, they'll get together and they'll hire some guy to be like, all right, run all this, run all this crap. But that's just stupid. It shouldn't be the networks that run this stuff. Ridiculous. And, uh, this is stupid to me. You're giving all the way stupid on this? Yes. I'm in a mood to just give everything stupid. Okay. Um. I, okay. I I mean, this would get more viewed than like the CBI or the CIT, I guess. But like, I, I think How many CBI sure. games have you watched? None. None. The last five years. Zero. How many seconds of CBI games have you watched? Zero last of that or years? the CIT. I've, I've watched very little NIT. I've watched... Zero NIT. Like probably. the only time I've watched NIT is there's that like Tuesday and Wednesday before the NCAA tournament where there's first four games, but whatever. And it's like, oh, this is an interesting see, NIT game. This I'll is turn where, it on and put a bet on it. This is where right. ESPN, I'm just going to use ESPN, or I get, you know, as an example, this is where ESPN having their own like starting to do sports betting and stuff comes into play. Because yes. what does the sports book want? More games. Because if you have more games, more people will bet on them. So then it's, it behooves the networks to try to add as many games as they can for this exact reason. It's yeah. becoming even less about TV ratings now. It's becoming about if you have more games, people will bet on, you know, sports betting, people will bet on those games. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's the reasoning here. I'm going to give this a six and a half. I don't think it's as dumb as the Daniel Jones contract. Okay, uh, next up on Stupid Scale here. Um, Apparently, points bet has taken more bets on Colorado to win the college football national championship than any other team as of yesterday morning. Yeah, this is this is actually just comical to me. I don't even really find it that stupid. I think it's just funny. Yeah, so the people were people are like, for you know, scale are these people who <laughs> picked Colorado, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but I don't really. I mean, I think it's just more funny because it's like some some guys hammered at a tailgate and he's like, "Oh, dude." Deion Sanders, Colorado. Let me throw five dollars on him to win the the national title. Oh, I'll, dude, I'll do that. Then you get then you get ten drunk guys that all just did it. Okay, that all just collectively lit five dollars on fire. So I don't really have a problem with it. To be honest, I think it's funny. I, I find this more I comical agree. than anything else. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's I don't know. It, it's not going to happen. So it's it's stupid from that standpoint. Um, I feel like I've progressively been going down. Yeah, you really have. This is like a two to me. This is not stupid. This is this is funny. Well, I mean, yeah, sometimes sports betting, as long as you do it responsibly, it can be just to add fun to it. I'll, I'll give this a... But it's not going to happen. So it also is just throwing away your money. No, so it is, no, it is, it is definitely lighting money on fire. Yes, which in it inherently is stupid. 
Sure. Fine. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give this a six and a half also. Okay. Wow. Because also wow. the giant, the reason I have the Giants went higher, they lit money on fire by giving it to Daniel. Jones. 106 Except million. A lot more money than these people. Uh, yeah, 100 or 120 million versus yes. five dollars. I'm giving this a six and a half. Okay. <laughs> Uh, next up, Jamar Chase's comments before the Bengals lost to the Browns. Dude, so Jamar Chase, because this is just what the Bengals do, he gets out there and he's like, oh, the Browns suck. We don't care about the Browns. They're a bunch of L's because yeah. the Browns are the new mascot. It's like an L. That was the thing. one at the midfield. Too. Yeah. yeah, for yeah. The so he makes the comment that they're a bunch of L's and then they get smashed. Okay. And then he comes back to just the comments after. Don't he's like, I said we lost to a bunch of L's. <laughs> Which that was actually kind of funny. I actually kind of like that. But just to, the initial comment was incredibly stupid. Like, at what point, at what point, Bengals players, do you learn your lesson here and just shut up? Like, dude, literally just shutty, okay? No one wants to hear you talk crap because, first of all, your crap talking sucks. And second of all, you always lose. Okay? And then you get dunked on. So what? what are we doing here? Seriously, what what are we doing? Ridiculous! I Shut do up. appreciate that he basically doubled down on it in the post game because that I, was funny. Actually, that's my thing. Nothing's fair, worse than than the the guy who talks and the trash. Dylan Brooks who just doesn't show up. Yes, and then when the, it's not going well, yeah, you just know, doesn't show up. Or like, oh, the media the made me a villain. Yeah, exactly. Have the same energy. So I do actually appreciate that from from Jamar Chase. This is like a solid seven though. I don't think this one's that stupid. You don't think it's that I stupid? I really don't. Uh, I'll give this like a three and a half. I think it's pretty stupid. Okay. Uh, these bar patrons. So this was at a Jack's American Pub, which is a bar in Wisconsin that um, offered free drinks during the Monday Night Football game if the Jets lost the game. Okay? Okay. Because everybody here, they're so like they rooting just, against Aaron Rodgers. So are they just mad at Aaron Rodgers? Yes, correct. Okay. So everybody is rooting against the Jets. So that they get a free bar tab, right? So Aaron Rodgers goes down with an injury. Fourth play of the game. Immediately, all the bar patrons are like, oh, they're screwed. Yeah, they're going to lose. Zach Wilson versus Josh Allen. Of course they're going to yes. lose. Let's start running up our Let's tab. buy as many drinks as possible. Buy as many drinks as possible. Buy expensive stuff. Turns out, Jets won the game, and everybody realized they had to pay. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny, honestly. I actually, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this. This is a good story. Uh, I, I'm trying to think. I mean... It's definitely a little stupid, but can you blame them? No, in the moment, you're drinking, you're having fun. You're yeah, can you blame them? football. And also, at the end of the day, like, you pro- you, you had to have known there was still a risk in the back of your mind. Uh, they I don't know, maybe. I mean, they maybe they lost to the Jets last year. <laughs> but they probably didn't think about that. No, probably not. And it's not like the Jets are a bad team. No. Besides Zach Wilson. I mean, it's just irresponsible. So it's irresponsible. It's irresponsible. Right. That's, a good, that's a good term for it. It's irresponsible. Like, if you got like one or two extra drinks than you normally would, okay, what's the big one? But what if you bought like $50 shots? That's where the problem comes in. If you were like, give me the top shelf whiskey <laughs> or give me the top shelf tequila shot here because I'm not going to have to pay for it, that's where you run into an issue. Now, I don't know what this place had. I'm looking at pictures of this. It's, it's more of like a... a I don't know, kind of a, I mean, it's a, a classic, dive bar sort it's your of classic yeah, Midwestern bar. bar. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know that they have stuff like they that got, necessarily. You know, Coors Light, and right? Whatever, right? And I don't honestly, I don't know that I would offer that promotion if if you did have that stuff. So uh, maybe it's maybe it's okay, and everybody turned out okay. But uh, yeah, man, I I would give these people well, the like bar a, probably turned out fantastic. They probably made a bunch of money. Yeah, which is cool. So for the bar, this is a. It was a great very marketing smart move. move. A great marketing move. Also a dangerous move. one, though. They very easily could have had a very bad night. I mean, Bills could have easily won that game. 
And then <laughs> for the patrons, I don't know. You're having fun. I'll whatever. say it's like I'll a. I'll give it a five and a half. I think it's like a three. Okay. I don't think it's that stupid. All right. If you're responsible about it. Yeah. We're going to take a time out here on Rock Truck Sports Talk. We got our Big 12 breakdown coming up on the other side. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We have some Andy Kotelnicki, Brian Borland audio that we're going to get to on tomorrow's show. Lance Leipold audio coming up in the 5 o'clock hour here. Uh, Some news today that the Maui Invitational will not be in Maui this year. That's because of the Maui wildfires that have been so devastating and unfortunate to see. Uh, It will still be on the Hawaiian Islands. They're going to be moving it to Honolulu. I'd imagine that means they're going to be playing at a Hawaii University of Hawaii their their stadium arena. Ah, uh, gotcha. That'd be that my guess. I, I don't know for sure. That would make sense. Yeah, yeah, and obviously, you know, with the ongoing situation there, and KU already announced a couple weeks ago that they're going to be holding a, a charity exhibition with Illinois uh, later on in October. So, uh, and I'm sure when they play it in Honolulu, probably there'll be a lot about you know trying to help out as much as possible with with what's going on there. So. Uh, you know, on one hand, I think glad they're able to still hold it on the in, on the Hawaiian Islands, uh, but also hope that everything goes for the best for the the rebuild of what what's happened. You know, with with everything affecting Maui. Yep. All right, on to our Big Twelve breakdown for the week. Texas takes down Alabama over the weekend. Uh, is Texas the only team? Or would you put anybody else in there for uh, the Big Twelve having a shot at making the playoff? I think it's just Texas right now. I mean, Oklahoma stinks. They barely beat SMU. They did cover, though. Shout out to the covering Oklahoma Sooners. That was huge for me, personally. Uh, but, yeah, I think you'd only have to put Texas up there. I mean, Oklahoma, definitely not putting Oklahoma there with how they performed, especially offensively, against SMU. And then after that, what? You got Texas Tech? No. Texas Tech, they're 0-2. They have no, they're already out. They have yeah. no chance. So they're done. But you have the Kansas Jayhawks. <laughs> CFP, would you put them there? No, I wouldn't quite go there. Uh, I do think Kansas is going to have a great season. I think it's a good start to the year. But, no, I'm not quite getting to the uh, college football playoff talk quite I guess yet. we would be remiss without bringing up K-State, but yeah. I just uh, – I, I don't know. I just – They have an interesting one this week with Missouri. Yeah, I, I don't know if I see it for them. I mean, they have to beat – is Texas on their schedule in the regular season? I think they are. I'm pretty sure. I think so, yes. So they would have to hypothetically probably beat Texas twice, and I don't think that's going to happen. I guess technically that's not true. If they could lose, lose them in the regular season. Beat them in the Big 12 championship. You go 12 and 1, you make it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I just, I don't see it. Well, I mean, listen, they're definitely not going to win against Kansas at the booth. You're going to be sure of that. So, you know, at that, I mean, at that point, what are we, what's even the discussion, mm-hmm. you know? No, I mean, if, if we go through the Big 12, it, it's, I don't know. There, there's been some disappointment early, and there, there's not. There's not that, that that other team kind of separating with Texas. Like, maybe K-State is the closest thing to it. Uh, here's an interesting question. You have a couple of 0-2 teams, Baylor and Texas Tech. Both of them lost close one-score games to Pac-12 opponents over the weekend. Who do you think is better, Baylor or Texas Tech? I think it's got to be Texas Tech. Uh, they have the better quarterback. They have probably the better coach right now. I don't know if you would say that going into the season, but... Dave Miranda, you know, old oh, defense, defense, defense. <laughs> what defense? You guys gave up 100 points to Texas State. What are we talking about? So I would probably lean Texas Tech at this point. They, cert- I mean, Tyler, assuming Tyler Shuck stays healthy, they certainly have the better quarterback. Uh, so I would lean there. 
I don't think you'd be, I, yeah, I, I think that's the Baylor loss to Texas Tech that gets you. Because the Texas Tech loss to Wyoming, it was a lot closer, and I think Wyoming's better than Texas State. You don't just roll into Wyoming and get a W. No, it's tough. It's always <laughs> tough. With Baylor, I will say this, though. I mean, they were without their starting quarterback, Blake Shape, and he was injured. Sawyer Robertson had to fill in. Uh, and they almost beat Utah. Did you see how that game finished? I did. No, I did. It should have been it pass crazy. interference. <laughs> but on Who counterpoint, win, but Utah yeah. had a pig farmer as their quarterback. <laughs> okay? Dude was farming pigs in high school. <laughs> so what do you have to say about that? No, they're, they're you lose to a pig farmer? How do you overcome that? They need Cam Rising back. They're, they're not nearly <laughs> as good without him. So I don't know. I almost I feel almost... But then again, Texas Tech was up like what twenty-seven to eighteen at the start of that quarter against um, Oregon. Yeah, going into the fourth quarter against Oregon. Yeah. So yeah, I get. I, I think Texas Tech is better. Baylor at this point yeah. would it shock you if they finished like four and eight. No, no. but they could also still finish probably like seven and five. I that would. wouldn't shock. I, that wouldn't shock me either. With no. Tech, I feel like they're still going to be a bowl team. Yes, might be six and six, but I feel like they'll still get there. Yeah, six and six for Tech would be, I think, pretty hilarious considering the preseason hype. Yeah, for sure. Okay, what do we make of Oklahoma? Because in week one, they absolutely decimated Arkansas State. It was 73 nothing, And Arkansas State was horrible a year ago. <laughs> doesn't seem like they're much better. <laughs> but to your point against SMU, they, they couldn't really get much. It was 14-3 to headed into the fourth quarter. Yep. Dylan Gabriel ended up with four touchdowns, but only 176 yards, 189 yards on the ground, but only four yards per carry. Like It wasn't a great offensive game. On the flip side... If some of the questions are more about Oklahoma, about the defense, they've only given up 11 points through the first two weeks. So does that make you more confident? I don't know. Yeah, I I, I do think the defense is going to be better than it was last Danny year. Danny Stutzman but, had 17 tackles. But listen, we go back. Listen, here's how I view that, though. Oklahoma's defense, it was impossible for them to be as bad as they were last year, basically, right? It kind of goes back yep. to our discussion with the Kansas defense from two years ago to last year. If you're the worst defense, or if you're one of the worst defenses, it doesn't take that much for you to be improved, okay? So they might be a better defense, but I don't know that they're going to be a top-tier defense or a really, really good defense. And if your offense is going to have games where they're a bit inconsistent like they were against SMU, in the Big 12, you're probably going to lose a game or two or three. And if that's the case, guess what? See ya, CFP, because he ain't going to be there. And you and might not even be in the Big 12 title game at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, I... I I saw the Iowa State Iowa game, uh, and obviously Iowa State put on a, a good finish to, to make it closer. It was twenty to thirteen in the end, but it was twenty three headed into the fourth quarter. Oddly enough, I I'm still not like to a point where I think Iowa State's going to make a bowl game at this point. Like I, I, I was from, encouraged by Rocco. I was too. I was encouraged by the performance. Now, here's my here's my up and down from Iowa State. I went from thinking they would win maybe seven games, probably six, to then the betting stuff happened, expecting them to win four, maybe three. Now I'm like kind of settling in the middle that they're going to be like a five win team. They're feisty. Yeah, I do think. Good. Listen, and I was even one of those people too. With, I mean, I'll put my hand up on this one. Yeah, I think from the KU perspective, you looked at the game in Ames against Iowa State, and you think, oh, automatic W for Kansas. And I, I have stated many times on the show that I don't like saying automatic W for road games, especially in conference play. And I think that that game against Iowa State is probably going to end up being a lot tougher than maybe you would have thought at the start of the season. When you look at the betting stuff, you think, oh, Iowa State's not going to have an offense. So you should be able to win by default. I mean, if the other team doesn't have an offense, you should be able to, be able to score seven points to win a game. That might not totally be the case. Now, I'm still thinking that Kansas should have a very, very solid chance to go in Ames and win, but that is a game that 
I think sneaky could be very, very tough for KU. And I, I do expect Iowa State to still be a somewhat feisty team. I mean, as much as we like to clown on Matt Campbell for being a bad coach and like situationally, and uh, you know, you go back to the KU game last year when he could have gone for it on fourth down in a number of occasions and maybe actually tried to win the game instead of sending out his crappy field goal kicker. Uh, I, I still feel like they're going to be a, a a tough out regardless. Uh, and so, again, from the Kate perspective, I think that game in Ames could be still be, be a very tough game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, speaking of possibly underrated teams, I think Cincinnati might have flown under the radar too much. Yes. Like, well, everybody I mean, was picking them last in the Big Yeah, I, well, the thing with Cincinnati is, like, I think they were just a team that nobody really knew anything about. Lost so and many players. Lost so much. Coach, and so it was like, well, new surely they're going to be bad. But so that's the track why record picked of that program has been good. No, know? I know. I know. I know. And it, and that kind of goes back to the and question Scott Satterfield's of, had a good your, track record. You know, is when you have a program culture like that, is the culture with the coach or is it with the program, right? That's kind of the debate I think you have there with Cincinnati. I mean, was it is Luke Fick, was was Luke Fickle the reason that they were good or was it his, you know, did it transfer into like more of a program thing? Yeah. And uh, you're right. Scott Tetterfield's not a bad coach. I don't think. No, here's his, his, uh, uh, win amounts at, at Louisville. Eight, four, six, seven. Like he's like, a that's fine not coach. bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's not bad. That's definitely like not. Horrible. Yeah. That's definitely not last in the conference Mm-mm. level. Resume. They just won at Pittsburgh. I, I don't good know win. that Pittsburgh's great, but I think Pittsburgh's solid. Yeah. yeah. So it's a good win there. They ran the ball. Well, they defended well, I think Cincinnati is going to be a tough team, and that's that's your last game of the season. So I don't, I don't also, think that game's also on the easy. road too. That's right. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, stock might be down a little bit on, well, I think more than a little bit on Houston, who lost to Rice forty three to forty one in double overtime. Yeah, that man. was Rice's first win against a Power Five opponent, I believe, since we've used that term, Power Five opponent. Well, didn't Rice beat KU? On. Uh, or did KU beat Rice? They played Rice in like. I thought KU 20... won that game. Maybe Rice did win that game. I don't game. know. I don't know. I saw some stuff floating around about that. Maybe it was inaccurate. Maybe it was the first Power Five win in like since then. JT Daniels threw for like 400 yards. There's a blast from the past. But like Houston. Yeah, I had no idea he was at Rice. I think Houston might be the worst team in the Big 12. With Cincinnati looking better, with Iowa State looking like okay ish. It's got to be if you're making that discussion, who's the worst in the Big 12 right now? Is it is it Houston or Baylor? Yeah, and what's tough is that I think the discussion you would have for worst teams in the Big 12 would be Houston, probably West Virginia. Yep. And then I think maybe you'd throw Baylor down there right now. And guess what? Those are three teams that are not on KU's schedule. Yeah, that stinks. <laughs> Which, by the way, West Virginia plays Pitt this week, so that'll be interesting to see how they do because then maybe that's – like if West Virginia beats Pitt, then maybe we'll just say Pitt's bad and then maybe we'll track this back on Cincinnati. What do you make of Oklahoma State? They are 2-0. and They've won two games. They won on the road against a Power 5 opponent. No, they're bad. But also, the quarterback play has not looked very good. They only, I mean, Arizona State is, is maybe going to be the worst Power 5 school this year. They're up there. I think, I think Oklahoma State is going to sleepwalk to like six wins, but not because they're a good team. They just have enough coaching. Yeah, okay. I just did some quick research. Uh, in 2013, September 14th, 2013, KU lost at Rice, 23-14. Okay. So whatever stat I read was baloney. Well, I mean, was it their first Power 5 win since 2013? It probably so it be, was. That's probably so, what it was. it would be correct. Yeah. No, that's probably what it was. Uh, but you lost at home to Rice also in 2012. Okay. So Rice beat them twice in consecutive years. 
By the way, the the power of uh, total QBR, or just, I don't know, uh, the power of having a good quarterback. Um, Jalen Daniels is first in total QBR right now in the Big 12, 89.7. Dylan Gabriel second, Emory Jones, Quinn Ewers, Chandler Morris, Will Howard, John Rice Plumley, guys that you would expect to be up there. Here's the bottom of the barrel, and these are all teams that are like the worst in the Big 12. Last is Sawyer Robinson, Robertson, who's the backup for Baylor, got in the Utah game. Second to last is Alan Bowman for Oklahoma State. Bad. Third to last, Rocco Becht. Rocco. Iowa State. Uh, he's also a freshman and got thrown in too early. But, yeah, this year it could be bad. Keaton Slovis from BYU is 12th. Garrett Green from West Virginia is 11th. Like, Donovan Smith is 9th for Houston, you know? Yeah. Quarterback play is important. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Does, so does, that make, does that make you feel even better about KU's chances of starting 4-0? They take care of business against Nevada. They play BYU at home. You feel pretty good about that, right? Yeah, BYU's 10-point underdogs, I think, against Arkansas. Uh, I feel like they'd and be Arkansas, like 7-point dogs against Kansas. Arkansas kind of struggled last on Saturday against they uh, did. Like, whoever they were playing. I, I think know. from a betting perspective, though, Arkansas would be thought of more. And then you, you look at the UCF game, too, where it's like, you know, UCF Don barely Plumlee beats... might be yeah, out. And they barely beat Boise State, which I don't know that this is a great Boise State team either. No, and they needed a miracle. They but did. also, I don't know if you watched any of that game. <laughs> Dude... John Reese Plumley throws a perfect pass. This was a Kadarius Tony esque situation. Yeah, he had two interceptions. Where he throws a perfect pass to a guy in the end zone. It hits him square in the hands and the face, bounces off of him, intercepted in the end zone. That's tough. <laughs> well, he doesn't have to worry about that for the next few weeks. He's going to be out with an injury. Their backup, yeah. by the way, is Timmy McLean. He's a transfer from USF. Did not play. I think he sat out in 2022. Uh, these are his stats at USF. 55% completion. Now, this was as a true freshman, so players get better. Okay. 1,800 passing yards, five touchdowns, to seven interceptions. That's not great. So if that's what they're getting the rest of the way, which, again, that was a true freshman. It's been two years since then. He's probably better than that, but how much better? So, again, you look at KU's schedule. UCF can take a big dip. I mean, is it that crazy to say that KU is 6-1 and one with Oklahoma coming to town? Would that be college game day? I mean, I don't know. What? what I mean, hold on, hold on. Is that we're saying KU is going to be on college game day twice? Because if they get college game day with Texas, then they get it again with Oklahoma. And then again with Kansas State. Three times in one yeah. season? First time ever. I'm KU or Alabama? Come on. Who's the real national brand here? That would be awesome. All right. Well, uh, that's our Big 12 breakdown for the week. Anything you want to add? Any uh, hot uh, screen takes about the Big 12? Yeah. KU is going to blast Oklahoma State. They're going to be 6-1 against Oklahoma. Hmm. Uh, and then... They might win that game. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't 10 know, and 3, Jim. 10 and 2. I don't know, Jim. I don't know, Jim. <laughs> might want to look at go for it here. Uh, we're going to take a break. we got some Chiefs talk coming up next with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. About a quarter till five here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN. The most important Chiefs news that has come out over the last 24 hours uh, this exclusive from The Messenger. Nearly two months after Travis Kelsey tried to give Taylor Swift his number, a source tells The Messenger that the duo has indeed linked up. Wow. And they are, quote, quietly hanging out. Yeah, quote. I don't, I listen, I, I I don't really know what quietly hanging out means, but. Uh, They're yeah. just like sitting in the same room, just like on their phones, <laughs> just listen, scrolling Twitter. Good for Travis, but also, brother, the Chiefs stink. Get on the field. Get you back on the field. this is the issue? He's spending too much time with, with Travis Kelsey or uh, with uh, Taylor Swift. I don't know. I don't know, man. All I'm saying is, you know, 
get you know make sure your priorities are straight. I, I love what you're doing off the field, but I want to love what you're doing on the field too. Get back out there. You know that's all. That's all I'm gonna say. Mm-hmm. Come on, come on, man. Listen, I'm really happy for my guy. Get out there, have a good time, but also go win a third Super Bowl. Come on. Could could you imagine they win the the Dude, Super Bowl and, and, and if she comes to Kansas City and it's like uh-huh. the parade or something like that'd be insane, right? That'd be insane. Yeah. Now, you don't want this going the other way, Well, though, this because- is great for the Chiefs because, dude, there are, listen, Taylor Swift fans, if she's involved remotely with anything, they will just, they flock. Yeah, that's flock. true. If, if you thought you were going to get away with Patrick Mahomes' slander, wait till Taylor Swift becomes a Chiefs fan. Yes. Exactly. I mean, you're just going to get smothered online, right? Yes. You have zero yes. chance. The pitchforks yeah. will be out as soon as, as, soon as you say anything. <laughs> Or any they may, not, they may not even know what you're talking about, but they'll, they're no. they're after you. Yeah, the hundred percent. You know, oh, how could how could Travis Kelsey drop that? Shoot, here they come. Uh, the Chiefs would immediately if they put up like number eighty-seven jerseys with Swift on the back. Yes, they'd sell out. And that's what right I'm saying. Away. This is great yeah. for the Chiefs. You've got you're gonna you're about to get millions of new fans possibly. <laughs> I mean, this is great for the Chiefs. That is great. Uh, football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? That would be DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get out on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code KLWN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KLWN. KU is currently, uh, by the way, minus 28 against Nevada. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Uh, some more on the, the Chiefs. Does it feel better knowing now that the Bills lost last night in oh, addition yeah. to the Bengals and Chargers Dude, losing? the loss, the week one loss to the Lions, I, I remember on Friday, I think I was talking about this, how like, Oh, you know, oh, that loss could be the reason why the Chiefs don't get the one seed. Well, hey, pass Nick. You're an idiot. You're so stupid. No, it doesn't mean anything. The loss, it's like they didn't even lose now. I'm, I'm over the moon. It's great. Okay. Who cares? The Bengals lost, the Bills lost, the Chargers lost. Those are probably the top three teams that you're going to have to fight for the one seed, I would think. Oh, no, it's great. Sunshine rainbows. Chiefs are fine. Everything's fine. I mean, seriously. Dude, it's best case scenario for the Chiefs. The yeah, weekend played out as anything. best as it could have been. Obviously, there's the lost opportunity of being like, well, we gained a game on both of those. Yes. But, but now you it's can like, also just feel like oh, everything's 16 fine. game season. Yep. It's everything's like fine. Uh, the NFL expanded schedule never happened. Yes. It's like you just played your fourth preseason game and you lost, but who cares? Big one. On to the regular season. Exactly. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, seriously, the only other team that is probably going to be in position to maybe threaten for the one seed is the Ravens that won. Last that yeah. one, right? And even then, the Ravens didn't look great. I mean, the, the Texans, I mean, I mean, right? are you? I mean, unless are you're buying, buying the Dolphins. Let's say unless you're yeah. buying the Dolphins hype, because like the Jets now presumably are probably not going to have much of a chance. No. With, with no Aaron Rodgers, right? Which sucks for them, but so they're basically out of the picture. So uh, of the teams that you legitimately think could make a push for the playoffs, slash maybe even getting to a one seed, the Dolphins. But you have to assume the Dolphins are probably not going to get there because. They're probably going to lose to the Bills. They could still lose to the Jets. You have the Patriots that look pretty feisty against the Eagles. So, like, I, I don't know. And then you got the Ravens, but they got to deal with the Bengals. They got to deal with the Browns, who maybe are 
like kind of decent, I guess. I don't really know. So, yeah, this that was great for the Chiefs. The Chiefs are sitting pretty because the Chargers lost. And who cares about the Raiders and Broncos? They both stink. So this was great for the Chiefs. Sun, yeah. Like I said, sunshine and rainbows. Sunshine and rainbows. And I think you could also argue that the Chiefs' loss was the – it's hard to – this sounds stupid, but it's like it was the best loss in terms of – how it happened. The Bengals got smashed yes. by the Browns, right? The Bengals stink. The Bills, it was like Josh Allen looked really bad. Yeah. Yes. And with the Chiefs, it was just like, oh, you just had some receivers drop a billion passes. Yes. And you had no Travis like you Kelsey would have easily, Chris Jones. Yeah, you would have easily won the game. Right. Probably. Yeah. So I think that's the one you feel the best about. Yeah. And obviously, Maybe the Chargers. obviously you're getting Travis Kelsey back, it sounds like. He should be, you know, pretty much good to go. You get Chris Jones back. And I would think a motivated Chris Jones, by the way. Because, if nothing else, to try to earn back the money he lost from his agents being idiots. So, you know, there you go. You get a motivated Chris Jones, who is now basically... I mean, think about this. So, Chris Jones was essentially, last year, it wasn't a contract year, but he kind of played like it was because yeah. he thought he was going to get an extension, right? What did, what did a contract year look like for Chris Jones? Oh, 15 and a half sacks and maybe the best or second best defensive player in the whole league. Well, now you get that again this year because now he actually is playing on a contract year. Where he's trying to earn it even more again. So if that's what you got last year, we should be probably getting this year too. It's great. It's awesome. And then Travis Kelsey coming back. There you go. Win, win, win. Things are looking a lot better for the Chiefs than they were on Friday. Yeah, they are. I mean, Friday morning, it was dark times. Well, I'll be curious to see how much Chris Jones plays this weekend. Like, There's no way he's going to play like a full load. I, I you would think so. They're going to get him on there. It sounds like yeah. he stayed in shape and everything. Yeah. You but think. I, like he'll probably it wouldn't shock me if he starts, but he's but again it should be a pretty. A I mean, you know, with Steve Spagnolo and he's played with a lot of those guys on that D line, right? He played last year with a guy like George Karloftis. Mm -hmm. He played. He's played with Mike Dana. He's played with those other guys. I mean, he, has, he hasn't played with like Felix and Adike Uzama, but he, you know, it should be a fairly easy slot back in. You would think, but I understand. You know, from a conditioning standpoint, you're right. Probably not going to play the whole game or like what his what to his max is. And I don't think he necessarily needs to, so that, that, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Whatever. I mean, it's against the Jaguars team that uh, looked pretty good in Week One, and we'll see how relax. they relax. They're playing. Don't the, worry at all. They play the Colts. They play the Jags. The yeah, they beat the okay, Colts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no. Well, what what happens if they do lose? What do you think the conversation would be afterwards? Um, I think it would. I mean, if you have more, if you have more wide receiver, there problems, will be panic. Yeah, like if you have more panic. wide receiver problems, that will be. Certainly concerning. But I don't know. I mean, maybe it's – I don't know. I mean, I think if the Jaguars beat the Chiefs, it might actually become more of a conversation of, man, the Jags are legit. Like, the Jags, you know, could be really good. And the Jaguars are a sneaky team that I think could end up stealing away a high playoff seed from one of these other teams. Like, maybe they don't get the one seed, but is it crazy to think the Jaguars could win 11 or 12 games? I don't think so, especially in that division. Exactly. Like in they a can terrible, go 4 against In a Texans terrible division, like that could put them in a position to be the second or third seed and bump down the Bills, the Bengals, or even the Chiefs, possibly, out of like a top two or three seed, you know, to where it turns out if you're the three or four seed and you you have to go on the road, you know? I mean, the Chiefs have played, the Chiefs hosted the AFC Championship game every year, last five years. That might not be the case if they end up, you know, getting a, a three or four seed, right? Yeah. So... That's a team that I'm keeping an eye on, and this, and from that standpoint, maybe this is a game that ends up being a little bit more significant for both these teams, 
Because if the Jaguars are thinking that they can get to that those lofty of heights, this is a game that they probably think they can win that. Yeah, this is trying, them trying to make a statement. Yes. Which, you but, know, listen, it's, it's important for the Chiefs. There's always that stat that goes around to teams that start 0-2 that, you know, miss out on the playoffs. Now, you think so? Well, no, there's the stat that it, it always pops I know what it, No, like, I know. It's, it's like, such it's a... Like, it's like 90% or whatever. Yeah. yeah, no, I know what you're I think about. you would definitely view the Chiefs more in line with the 10% that did make it, but still. And we, and we saw the Chiefs that one year with, with Alex Smith. They were what, like 1-4? They were 1-5 and, and, like and they won five. 10 straight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I'm, I am I mean, if the receivers look really, really bad, then I'll be like, oh, crap, this is bad. Like, I'll be concerned. But I, I don't know. I, I mean, it just, for me personally... It takes so much for me to actually be concerned when you have Mahomes. Like, seriously. Like, the Chiefs would have to be like 0-4 for me to be like, okay, like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just, they, you have Mahomes. I feel who, like you're going to be fine. Who do they play week three? They have the Bears in week If they start 0-3, that would be panic button. <laughs> if you start 0-3 by losing Bears. to the Bears. That would be bad. That would be bad. No, that would be bad. Yeah. That would be terrible. That would be... Yeah, that'd be DEFCON 1. Yeah. That'd be really bad. Do you think they should trade for a receiver? I don't know who's out there, but I, I, the one I've heard yeah, a lot is Mike, Mike Evans. I mean, everyone jumped on Mike Evans right away. But if, like, if oh, Mike Bucks, Evans is going to call he, you know, his contract's about to expire. They could trade for Mike Evans. Bucks but I just, also I know, know. got the win. Like, how how much do you think they're really going to, like, blow it up? I don't, maybe they yeah, will. I, yeah, I, I You need the Bucks to start losing games if that's going to happen. Yeah, I I don't think, first We're of like all. We're bad teams that first could, of all, like, trade I don't, a receiver. The Cardinals with DeAndre Hopkins. Who do they oh, have? wait. Yeah. DeAndre Hopkins, it didn't work out. They're going to trade now, Hollywood I, Brown? I honestly think the Chiefs will not trade for a receiver. I really do. I like, and let, it would have to continue to get much, much It would worse. have to continue to look like this over yes. several more weeks. Yes. I honestly believe the Chiefs believe that they have everything in-house they need to get things squared away and fixed. I, I honestly believe that. And I think the Chiefs we'll believe see. that, too. I don't. Now, I, I don't believe I don't, it. I don't know yeah. if. No, I'm not. I don't. I'm not. No, I know. I know. You know I'm what I'm saying? saying? I'm saying I, I believe that the Chiefs believe. Do I? Do I personally believe? Eh, maybe. But I. I do believe that the Chiefs believe. <laughs> you follow? I follow what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I would love for them to go get like a Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. Or, I, I just don't think that's. I mean, happen. Hollywood Brown. I think would be fun with with his deep threat and uh, who, but, who like, else? No, 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 no. Pause. What? Hollywood what? Brown. No. Why? He's deep throat with Patrick Mahomes. No, yeah, the, 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 that, that's that's not the guy you need, I don't think. You need a you need a veteran, like more possession type receiver, I think. Okay. I, I listen, I I so, prefer my hands. Not Hollywood Brown. Try again. Who else is really bad that, that's what I'm that saying. Has, like a good receiver? That's what I'm saying. And we, we've had this conversation before. There's a bunch of teams that are like bad, but you could still win like six or seven games. I mean, the, you think the Raiders would trade the Chiefs Devontae Adams? I doubt it. No. And the Chiefs wouldn't pay him. Well, they, they already would be getting paid. Um, well, I, yeah, I, I, but I, you, you know what I mean. Yeah, they want somebody cheaper. I don't know. I don't know. I'd love for them to go get someone. I don't know who. But I, I, I do not trust the receiver. I don't think they will get anybody, to be okay. honest with you. All right, he's Unless Springer. get much worse. I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. We got Lance Leipold audio. We got DJ Withers audio. All that coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's 
tickets for a mailbag, just something you think that would be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of your day and see you next podcast.